The year was the 1960s. It's getting near dark! We weren't born yet, but there was a little festival that changed everything called Woodstock. And that's what we're talking about today, kind of, in our edition of Network Special. We're talking about The Werewolf of Woodstock, a movie special kind of thing that premiered January 24th, 1975 on ABC's, uh, it was a part of a show called The Wide World of Mystery, produced by America's teenager Dick Clark. Mm -hmm. Do you... So, okay, what was the song that you were just doing? What What is that song? Um, Sunshine of the, Your Love. And who sings that? Uh, I want to say it's Cream. And were they at Woodstock? No. The funny thing about Woodstock is that there are way less famous bands than you would think were there. Like, you see The Lamp of Woodstock, and it's very strange because, yes, there's Jimi Hendrix, but there's right, well, also, don't... like... Sha na na. Shoot, you're gonna. I was gonna say, you didn't do my. You, you didn't do my favorite. My favorite song from Woodstock. Get a job. <laughs> Get a job. Sandwiched in between, you know, Bob Dylan breaking the electric barrier and like whatever. Well, that's what's so weird. Yeah, you would think Bob Dylan would be there. You would think you know the Who or whatever would be there. No, it's like Jimi Hendrix. And a couple other bands, and then it's like Country Joe and the Fish, Wavy Gravy, <laughs> like people who you don't know any of their songs, basically. Yeah. And and also that year that you pointed out, the year 1960s. That's right. <laughs> it's my favorite year. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, oh, but did I mention that you, are, listener, are listening to Network Special, the podcast about the glory days of appointment-based television when you had to watch what was on, when it was on. But now, thanks to the glory of the internet, we can watch these things again and again. And my name is Zachariah, and I'm here with my co-host, who? Nathan Cheer. And producer Jeremy is out on assignment. That's... Yes. Jerk. The assignment is something that's not us. Yeah. <laughs> so this is kind of an interesting uh, movie that we're talking about because, as I said, it was on a show called The Wide World of Mystery, 1975, but it's considered a almost lost show in the fact that no official recordings of this program are around anything that we have from the show is what people have in the kind of their home vaults but there are a lot of episodes that are still missing and the show had susan sarandon and other now famous people on it so there's people actively trying to look for episodes of this program uh i just heard the title the werewolf of woodstock and i knew that i wanted to track it down and watch it for this show uh, you can watch the whole thing on a, I believe, a French video streaming site, <laughs> and we'll post the link to that. Don't promise that. <laughs> well, if you uh, follow me on social media, I'll post the link to it. How about that? <laughs> there you go. No, you'll remember. Oh, no, you know what? I, if you send me the link, I'll post it as one of our daily, my daily posts. Okay. There's, that's a listener's promise. It's still, not, again, not a promise. It is a promise. <laughs> Everything promises. that Nathan says uh, is a promise in some way. <laughs> I am. They do call me nature's promise keeper. <laughs> uh, this program was directed by John Moffat. Uh, this is one of the first things that he uh, directed, and he went on to direct a lot of comedy. He directed a lot of the episodes of Mr. Show with Bob and David. He did comedy specials with Bill Maher and Ricky Gervais, Colin Quinn, oh, Tracy wait, hold Morgan. On. Did you just mention my two favorite, uh, you know, truth tellers? Yeah, I sure did. Ricky Gervais and Bill Maher. Yeah. The top two truth tellers behind Rogan. 
I, our our like you know Rogan. It, it, for those who don't know, and how could you not? But like all podcasters, we all owe a debt to Joe Rogan. Well, we always start this off with the podcaster's prayer, which is we light yeah. a candle and we put a a fresh piece of beef jerky and uh, mm-hmm. one of those um, yellow jacket pills you get at a gas station underneath a picture of Joe Rogan yeah. to get the recording off right. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is that prayer? Um, please, Joe, um, allow us to make gains in today's mm-hmm. show. Allow us to question all mm-hmm. things, but support nothing. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> now we're doubly blessed because we did it twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, interesting. I did a deep dive on Ricky Gervais recently, like reading his bio and some of his stuff. Did you know that he's an atheist? Okay. I have seen this on the Wikipedia entry, but I think that that's, that, that is uh, Wiki, Wiki Graffiti. Oh, I no. think that's a troll. I don't think he really is an oh. atheist. I think some they, like, if you look at the history, like the talk, the wiki talk, it keeps getting put there and people keep deleting it. Nathan, did that offend you? Is that <laughs> offensive to you, isn't it? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, you offended. Oh, mate. you offended, love. <laughs> There's no oh. God, love. You die your worm food, governor. (laughs) I I was having a cuppa. I was having a lovely cuppa. And I said, you know, watching the the queen on the telly. And I turned Mm -hmm. to me, mum. And Mm -hmm. I said, you know, the greatest lie is religion. Mm Mm-hmm. Her mouth opened so big you could drive a lorry through it. And she <laughs> and she was drinking a beer, having a little sippy whippy. <laughs> of a, oh, was she of a lager. <laughs> of a lager. Uh, you know, I go in and out. I, yeah. I, you know, my family's from Australia originally. So whenever I do a British accent, I always right. dip back into, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the dialect of my prison ancestors. <laughs> that's why your family always asks me uh what i think a knife is every my family <laughs> my family is obsessed with no, knife knowledge <laughs> and so we'll always ask you um, but they always knife? do know they All do right. always know though is this a knife now <laughs> but then they pull out a real knife yeah das is and, a knife das is a knife <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a knife. <laughs> and then they use it to smear some Marmite. On the Barbie. On, on the Barbie. <laughs> Werewolf of Woodstock. Yeah, here we go. Hmm. Werewolf. Uh, so... When I was watching this, I I honestly kept thinking this was from the 80s. It has such an 80s look to it, and it seems like it would be made so far from the event of Woodstock. I don't know if it's because it's shot on videotape, so maybe that gives it an extra like 80s look. It to me, it looks like, um, like. TV shows from England. Like, are you yes. being served and all that right. stuff? Which were also like, videotaped. And then when they yeah. would go outside, it would be on film. Because <laughs> yeah. it's there's two different unions, or at least there were during the 70s. There's two different television unions, one for outside shooting and one for inside shooting. And outdoor shoots, by law, had to be done on film. And that's why, like, in Faulty Towers, you're inside and everything has that kind of, like, fuzzy look. And they go outside and it <laughs> looks like you're watching the, a movie. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> Hold on. I didn't know that. So, legally, yeah, it had to be film. Union thing, yeah. Has that changed? I imagine it would because if you watch Sherlock, it's not like the, the film dramatically shifts. Or if there still is a weird inside-outside uh, television union division they've at least agreed 
hey, it can't look like two different shows we blended together. <laughs> this makes us all yeah. look bad. Yeah, it looks like you've changed the channel to like a BBC documentary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, this was 1975. Woodstock was 1969. Um, and we start off with a newscast that's supposed to be showing the aftermath of the Woodstock Music Festival with a reporter standing in a field of garbage next to a stage that uh, I know that when you think about how giant Woodstock was in attendance and then you think about the stage size, it's a comically small stage. I don't think it was as small as it was in this show. <laughs> it looks like you could fit about five people on this outdoor stage yeah. in the show. And, and also... That was a lot of trash. Well, like how like how much tr trash do you think? Do they have a big trash shoot like they do for um, snow? Like they shoot snow everywhere. They just shoot ripped papers all over this lawn. Wait, are you saying for the show or in the actual concert? For the show. For the show. In the show? Oh, well, that uh, out. No, this wasn't filmed in England. <laughs> I was going to say the outdoor <laughs> union was throwing trash yeah. all over. <laughs> If it was actual Woodstock, it would I think it would have had a lot more mud because I think a big problem was yeah. everybody pretty much destroyed that piece of farmland that whatever farmer let them use. Uh, Didn't they say that like um I just heard an interview with someone talking about this that like um the the stage was just a puddle. And so like everyone was everyone who played like Almost died because everyone was getting, you know, because they could have gotten electrocuted. And someone ended up, that was one of the reasons why they actually played acoustic. Well, I. Was because, because of that. that but I don't know if, if there's no, another. That can't be. It, it, you still have to run electricity through an acoustic guitar or else yeah, but no you, one but would you hear you. But you wouldn't be, um, you could mic the guitar. Yeah. And not have it connected to a wire. So if you're holding the guitar, like if I'm holding an electric guitar, yeah. the wire is connected right through into that. Yeah. But if I'm standing in front of two microphones, one for my mouth and one for the the guitar, I'm not touching either of those cords. Okay. Does that I, make sense? It does. I don't know that all of Woodstock ended with an all-unplugged performance. No, 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 no. I'm saying one... Uh, I'm saying one of the performers uh, said that that was one of the reasons why they played. Oh, that was their personal call was, I don't want to risk this. Yeah. I'm going to look that up one more time. Let me see. Um, okay. That is important to the plot of this. So, yes, look it up. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know if anyone died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there's one person who lives in Woodstock, New York, watching this news report who is not happy about all the long-haired freaks that just invaded the town. Oh, he is so angry. The local hippie-hating farmer, Bert, is watching TV, and he goes, Bunch of baloney! I hate <laughs> these freaks! And he's just ranting and raving, and uh, his Edith Bunker kind of wife comes in and he goes, Bert, what are you doing? He goes, I'm heading out there! <laughs> and uh, you can hear thunder outside, and he Bert drives off to the stage at night. Now it's not raining; it never rains in this movie. It's just constant thunder and lightning every single night. Somebody is just shaking the stuffing out of a piece of aluminum siding. Uh, Bert drives to the stage. It's unclear what Bert wants to do because he just climbs on the stage. He goes, ah, these freaks. Ah, they stink. Ah, they stink. I hate them. And he kind of is just picking up loose pieces of lumber and throwing it off of the stage. Uh, and then a, a person from the electric company or grounds patrol or something drives up to the stage and goes, hey, what are you doing up there? And Bert's going, ah, these freaks. And he... Grabs onto a wire and sparks fly out of it, and he gets electrocuted. Uh, and that's <sighs> the opening of our show. What did you think of this opening? <laughs> uh, 
I just, you know, like you're right. Like, like where, what was, what was bugging him? Those freaks that made him go outside. <laughs> but who were the like? Where were the freaks? They were gone. Woodstock is over. Right. So who? That's he's right. gonna get that stage. <laughs> the idea yeah, of he, the thing. Oh, was it that some of them were still in town? Maybe. Well, they weren't at the stage. I know. What? If they were still in, don't... if they were still in town, maybe it would just be like some stragglers, like hanging out, or somebody got hurt. They were at the hospital. That's all I can imagine. People didn't go to Woodstock and then afterwards go. You know what? I think we're gonna put down roots and live here. But I thought he, um, but I thought he heard something. Oh no. Was it, he was watching a news report. Is yeah. that it? That's right. He was watching a news report. That's right. And that's when he got upset because he went outside in, in a rage, a fit of rage. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is – I. I. it was very um, unsettling. Like the camera work, the like – the fact that the, the lightning was coming from the ground clearly. Like <laughs> – you know, yeah, like they were just shooting a spotlight from the ground. <laughs> sure, and it it just all felt really weird, and you couldn't see like this is a bad quality file that I was watching. Yeah, so you couldn't really like whenever it was whenever you weren't inside a you know a a studio lit room, like you just couldn't tell what was happening because it just looked like a bunch of like digital artifacts. <laughs> and so it was just, it, and you just and you just heard all that like let's die. It was almost like they were like they were like like you know like like if he if he would have been like um if he would have if we, if we would have had any kind of different voice he would have become a different type of monster. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if he was like oh where are where these guys these guys in our huh like he would have become Hank Hill. No, <laughs> just like I was trying to do a ghosty kind of voice, like if he had a Michael McDonald, right, if he had Michael McDonald's voice. Well, it's funny you mentioned Michael McDonald because we smash cut from him screaming with electricity going through his body to a Michael McDonald style hippie. I guess he also kind of looks like Country Joe, but he's yeah uh, a hippie playing in a four piece rock band. He plays with his old lady on the other guitar and two other hippies. One hippie is kind of nice and one hippie is always angry. And uh, they have. A... He always hates. The, he hates the girl. He hates women. He hates everything. Apparently. He doesn't like anything about being in oh, this he hates, band. He hates animals. <laughs> yeah. And he hates the girl. Yeah. That he, he's. Yeah. And he hates the plan that Head Hippie has, which is they're going to travel as a band in their hippie bus. They're going to drive to Woodstock so they can write on the cover of their demo recorded live on stage at Woodstock and take a picture of them on the stage where we just watched a man be electrocuted. And that no one no one disassembled. Right. They have to get there quick. Yeah. Um, now, angry hippie, he doesn't like this plan. And he doesn't like the dumb dog that the girl has in the group. He doesn't like anything. Uh, but they decide to drive out there anyway. They stay in this abandoned cabin that's leaking and crappy. But I guess it's where they're going to crash. Unclear. This is, okay, so this is so stupid. This is the dumbest setup to a movie. It's too complicated. That these guys are going to pretend they played Woodstock? Like, they couldn't figure out any other way to get hippies out at the Woodstock place. Like, they like they couldn't even, like, like maybe these guys were late and missed the show. Right. Or, like, m maybe, like, they're just, like, in awe of the space. Right. You know, like, they're like, oh, we're going, like, Woodstock is our new mecca or something. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then they get into that house. Like, they just, like, pull up to an abandoned barn. <laughs> I know. Something. Well, uh, hey, that's the plan. Um, we don't spend too long with them because we have to get back to bandaged Bert, who is now lying burned. in his bed. Burned Bert, old double B, who has his <laughs> hands and his head all bandaged up like a mummy, another monster he could have turned into. Um, 
Is Bert does <laughs> I know. I know. Does Bert um have a long name? Is Bert short for something? Bertrand? Bertrand? Bertram? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Bertie? Birdie. Bertie. <laughs> Bertie. Yeah. Dirty Bertie. Dirty Bertie. <laughs> you know that religion has killed more people in every world war combined. <laughs> uh, the doctor who makes house calls in Woodstock <laughs> has come by. <laughs> and also who drops by is uh, one of the heads of police. And if we want to talk about really confusing plot points, he has brought along two detectives from San Francisco. Um, oh, they're, oh, I thought they're from Los Angeles. Well, they're from a, a California city, but they okay. are in town because L.A. or San Francisco is also planning on having a music festival, and they want to observe how the the – youth are acting so they can make <laughs> plans of how to cover things police wise it's confusing because i thought everyone had left like the concert's over you do that when the concert is going on yes. if you're trying to figure out like crowd control or what if there's a lot of uh influx of drugs or something coming in i don't know what they're supposed to be doing but let me tell you the the uh the guy who um What's it's it's big city detectives Moody and Kendi are their names. <laughs> Moody is the man, Kendi is the woman. Moody is the most nonchalant cop I have ever seen in my life. He delivers every line like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it looks like there's a, I don't know, there's a killer in town, and he is being so oh, me- yeah. so method Maybe it is actor. A werewolf. So meth, like Brando method actor where like he's always like looking down or he has his head in his hands. He walks into this woman's house and immediately just starts poking around in her bookshelf, like opening (laughs) boxes up, peering inside them. And also he's wearing this hat. Oh, yeah. What is this hat? This crazy like yarn hat, (laughs) which I guess is supposed to look hip. Here, here's what's interesting is that he is a very uh, uh, mumbly spoken uh, detective who believes in the supernatural. And she is a redheaded detective who also kind of believes in the supernatural. And I was like, wow, this could have been a real proto X-Files yeah. if it wasn't so badly made. Well, and then, okay. And, and then the, the city cop. Mm-hmm. You know, the local Woodstock, Woodstock it, cop. Where and where is Woodstock? Is it in New York? It's in New York. Okay, so this guy comes in nose first. By the way, this nose is—he's one of the chosen people. <laughs> I don't. Well, I—I I, I wasn't going to make any illusions, but <laughs> this nose is—is is like with the quality of the video that you that you, that when you watch, yeah. It just looked like a massive blob. And then <laughs> then he walks in and then he turns to the side and then you can see, oh, oh, then the digital artifacts start clearing, you know. This guy is packing some heat on his nose. <laughs> Were you watching this on a Game Gear? I don't know if I had such a bad quality. I, I was watching it through, um, I streamed it through my Game Boy printer. <laughs> and it was just printing out the sh- the, the, oh, you, the images. You had it like a flip book. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's so convoluted because the local cop is coming to their house because he needs the town doctor to sign off on the accident that happened on the farm property. And for no reason also has these two detectives in tow with him. It's just an excuse to get everybody in the same room and have all the introductions done at the same time. But it makes right. no sense why you would waste these detectives' time like this. No, they're... What he should say is, look, you two go look around and I'll deal with this and then I'll meet back up with you. Right. 
out by the stage or something. I really think that this actor, who uh, the guy who plays Moody, Michael Parks, he wound up as a go-to character actor for Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez and all the other people who worship at 90s cinema. Um, oh, really? But he must have been like just at an acting school level acting because he even like picks up, he's reading a book and the the woman goes, oh, you can keep that book if you want. He goes, oh, okay. I was like, that was improv. That was not, because it doesn't pay off. There's no reason for it. This is just the actory thing to do. Yeah. Um, regardless, the hippies get to uh, the cabin. They're fixing things up. I guess it's supposed to be raining, even though it's never wet outside, because they say it's leaking. Mad hippie is driven crazy by everything. So he takes a Frisbee and throws it out the door. So the dog goes to chase it out the door at night. Um, uh, I believe that we, we see Bert going crazy on his bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, then we see a werewolf attack two police officers we see the hippie's dog cross paths with the werewolf, and we can only assume the worst. Um, this werewolf mask was apparently done by a person who was a very famous makeup person, Joe Blasco. Okay. But he's not really famous for special effects. <laughs> this right. is a weird-looking werewolf. I would say if I had a note... Uh, too many teeth. This werewolf <laughs> has teeth. His mouth never closes. It looks like he always is like holding his mouth open with his fingers. And you can see all 800 of his tiny little teeth stretching from beyond his eyeballs to the front of his mouth. Yeah, he's like the uh, when when the ghosts in Beetlejuice <laughs> pull their head open and stretch yes. to try and scare them. <laughs> I was. I thought he kind of looked like a were dog, not necessarily a werewolf. Right. Except now, his hair was out pretty high. Yeah. Um, now you may be saying, "Oh, well, how did this werewolf come to be? Was he bitten by a werewolf in transit from being struck by lightning uh, to going to the hospital?" No, it's never explained. It just he got struck <laughs> no, it, by it lightning. Is. Yeah, no, yeah. Was it? It is. It yeah. Because she says, uh, I read a study recently about effects on organisms after. Um, oh right, with his, electric shocks. Like there was a experiment with rats or something. His chromosomes were scrambled. That yeah, was it. Like that. Yeah, but. That would make it like a shapeshifter, right? Not like your traditional werewolf. Well, there's no connection as to why he would become a werewolf if that happened. No, that's the difference. Like, like he could, like it could have changed him for anything. Like he could have become like a mad monster, you know. Instead, he becomes a werewolf. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. Right, but what I'm saying is, like, you're saying he could have turned into anything. I agree with you. But it's not just that his chromosomes were scrambled and for some reason they were scrambled into a dog or a wolf. Right. Spoiler alert, when they take him down, they're making silver bullets. Yeah, so he's a werewolf. He's straight up. But he also and... doesn't need a full moon. Just every right. night he turns into a werewolf. Yes, and... How does he get all the bandages back on? I don't know. Apparently. <laughs> because he has. To, so he leaves. So, okay. So, so he is fully bandaged because of the burns on his face. Yes. Every night he rips the bandages off. Yep. And goes out on a, on a tirade or whatever. Yep. Then he gets back in time before anyone wakes up. Yep. And then I guess puts all the bandages back on. Cause his wife comes in in the morning the doctor come in they go, oh, okay. Yeah. He's all bandaged up still. He's okay. He's definitely not a werewolf. I know that. But the bandages are sloppily put on. Yeah. When I mean, they see him the next day. But and also, it's his head is bandaged, but so are both his hands. So he manages <laughs> to get the bandages on both hands somehow. 
Yeah, he's he's maybe. I guess he just his... holds the bandages and helicopters his hands around until they kind of swirl <laughs> yes. back on. He wets them. He wets them in water <laughs> and then just goes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we go and the hippies. Uh, the next day, uh, they're they're finding dead cops and uh, the the hippies are upset because the dog is gone and uh, the cops have a report of a a long-haired person attacking the policeman so of course they assume it's a hippie even though there's big tooth-like gashes all over him but our (laughs) big city cops moody and kendy feel like there's foul play afoot especially because kendy just happens to be reading a massive volume called Witchcraft and the Occult in the middle of the police station. <laughs> uh, yeah, the dog is dead and the detectives find him thrown in a tree so they don't suspect the hippies anymore, I guess. Uh, after they find the dead dog, this thing just kind of descends into one slow chase scene after another. And you also realize why horror movies need to be, unless you are an absolute master of the game or you have a really good idea, horror movies in bright sunlight just don't work that well. And this werewolf can go around during the day. (laughs) Right. Yeah, what, what? Okay, so... He is the werewolf during the day, right? At sometimes. Yes, because at one point he kidnaps the hippie girl. He kills everybody else he encounters but her. For some reason, there's this kind of like King Kong style thing yeah. where he takes the hippie girl and, like Frankenstein, locks her in, I believe, like a, a farm mill. Uh, and <laughs> at one point... There is a very goofy chase scene where the werewolf jumps in a dune buggy. <laughs> hey, that's my dune buggy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just driving around and it looks like a goofy, like banana splits style yes. show. It's like Scooby Doo. Yeah. Like, hey, the guy, the guy literally says, hey, that's my dune buggy. <laughs> That werewolf just stole my dune buggy. <laughs> That's basically it. But we should say, I thought Werewolf of Woodstock, when I read the title, I thought it was going to be a comedy because or, or something else, I guess. This is all being played very, very straight. This is not oh. a comedy-style movie. They're meaning for this to be... A, a thrilling tale. Could you... Do you think this would have scared you as a kid? The only thing that would have scared me is if for some reason just the old-style film stock with the transformation of the face. But I would have had to be, like, very little to be I scared mean, no, by it. No, there's no... There is no transition of the face. No, no you're right. I guess you're right. They cut away. Like yeah. there, there's one there's only one scene where you actually see like a shadow. Right. And and it's really just it's, someone's just shadowing like you know just moving their arms around. Like there's no transition at all. There's not even like a like a like a um a, a fade in and fade out really fast until you finally see the face yes. or something. There's literally right. no transition. It's like they're like we do not have money in the budget. Right. For um anything air 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 pockets we can blow up (laughs) or even to do like three stages of makeup i guess yeah no it is like it's him with the bandages on and then he's wearing a mask i guess we should say part of the convoluted logic of this werewolf and they should not have called it a werewolf it makes it so much more confusing Uh, yeah because you're thinking werewolf rules Uh, apparently like i'm okay if they would have said werewolf of woodstock and then in in the movie, they're calling it something else. You know, you know what sure. I mean. Like, yeah, like that makes sense because then it's like, oh, we all know what a werewolf is, but in the in the in the actual show, mm-hmm. he's just a 
a hairy beast or something, you know? Right. Or somebody calls it a werewolf, but then it's clarified later that it's not. Because the idea of uh, Woodstock just happened, and there's murders, and everyone assumes when they see this werewolf that it's a hippie. And so all the law enforcement goes on an anti-hippie tirade is a interesting idea for, like, a, a corny movie. This doesn't yeah. really take advantage of any of that. It definitely doesn't take advantage of any like political or social right. commentary. There could be a kind of a cool social commentary on it. And yeah. it's like, they, there is nothing. It's like, that's <laughs> right. what I was going to ask you. I was like, I was going to ask at the end of this, like, were, was there a, some sort of hidden message? Because I miss, because I always miss this stuff. Like, was there some sort of hidden message? There really, if there was one, it was not communicated well. The only thing I can think of is, and I was, this is what I was trying to get to before I, I went into a trail, but Bert apparently goes into a rage when he hears rock music or sees hippies or thinks he sees hippies because his his anger is triggered by what he hates the most, and that's what he hates. So... The detectives hire the rock band to play music so it will irritate the werewolf into, like, freaking out and coming out to attack them so they can attack it. That's why they're driving after it playing rock music all the time. And he's stolen the hippie girl. And then they finally drive him into a, like... Uh, the the town's electrical grid, basically. I thought like, it was like a construction zone. It's construct. Um, no, I think it was supposed to be like the uh, where all the electric terminals are. Okay. I think all I know is that the last fifteen minutes are this interminable foot chase oh. through this construction zone, electric zone, whatever. Uh, it's interesting because part of my job now is watching all of these low budget B movies and you always know you're in for a bad time because so many of the ending of those movies is you're in either a power grid or a construction site on a foot chase. And it's just a very cheap way because you don't have to worry about like anybody being there. Like you don't have to have traffic control or crowd control it's going to be empty right. it's cheap to rent so you can film your whole last action scene there but right. unlike you know duel where a young steven spielberg can you know make you realize where things are physically and have this kind of like exciting low budget thing this is the opposite i didn't know where i was i didn't right. know where anybody was i just knew they were running around and around this scaffolding like a spiral staircase oh my god <laughs> i will say the one good stunt in this was the elderly doctor gets attacked by the werewolf in his office and this werewolf punches the doctor this elderly doctor the doctor goes ass over tea kettle over his desk and <laughs> smashes his head into a cabinet <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, who is this actor? And I looked it up, and the actor who plays the doctor um, used to be like a big matinee idol. And he did this old serial called Captain Midnight, where he was this huh. stuntman. But Captain Midnight uh, was what – it's Little Orphan Annie in A Christmas Story. But that whole, like, decoder ring thing, radio yeah. serial, that was actually what Captain Midnight did. It was like a oh, big wow. – big deal um the the thing that about bummed me out about the end was like they're building up like he's they're like going up each floor and they're just missing each other and they keep looking up and he's up there they finally get up there and he's you know throwing barrels down at everyone like donkey kong and 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 he's like up there tussling with the cop or whatever and and they're jumping on these these beams, and and then someone from the ground shoots him, and he falls off. I'm like, <laughs> like why? Why wasn't there a fight at the top? 
that led to that? Why was it just like, oh, why did they just shoot him from the beginning? Because he kept looking over the side. But did you like it when that big floppy dummy? Yeah, that's always good. Yeah. Now, you just made me realize something. So this is 1975. Got this big hairy beast running up all these scaffolds, throwing barrels. The cop has this little cap on. Do you think this is where the idea for Donkey Kong came from? <laughs> you think uh, Shigeru Miyamoto saw yeah. this in, yeah. in, in Japan? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the Wide World of Mystery was the number one program in Tokyo that year. And it definitely was not from the movie King Kong. No. That's a very no, no, obscure no. movie. <laughs> yeah. Because King Kong translates to something really filthy in Japanese. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> uh, what a strange movie that takes itself very, very seriously that seems to be setting up all of this stuff. Do you think that this was a pilot about these two detectives and an early X-Files idea? Because... This is such a heavy lifting concept. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know okay. because it's because it's an it's over an hour, right? Yeah. And I think no, I just think this is just a, another part of the wide world of mystery. I think it was a a movie shot for the. I mean, I don't know. Maybe 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 it was a uh, just some like thing someone found in the basement. I guess it seems to be setting up these two characters. There's no reason for them to, there to be two detectives. Yeah, maybe. It could be very easily one detective who believes in the occult trying to convince the small town sheriff. Well, when did like Night Gallery and all that stuff come out? I mean, that was all late 60s, wasn't it? With Twilight Zone? Let's see, Night Gallery. Night Gallery is 70. 1970. 69. Okay. Um, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I, I have no proof of any of that. It just, it, the idea of these two detectives who both believe in the occult, who both instantly come to the conclusion that it, it's a wolf man attacking these cops after the first murder and not some weird, like, rabid animal that's on the loose is such a crazy jump. <laughs> I don't know. They were like a, a spooky, a spooky, sexy Columbo. <laughs> there's this great, uh, there's a quote in the Wikipedia. It just says, uh, it's, it's, it's from the plot. Despite the best and loudest efforts of Becky's bandmates, the plan failed and Bert, now permanently transformed into a monstrous man-beast, even during storm-free daylight hours, runs back to the abandoned building, grabs his terrified hostage, and escapes with her by stealing a convenient dune buggy that the police did not pursue. Oh, so, it says that, so it says that it was filmed on videotape and produced for ABC's The Wide World of Mystery. Yeah. Now, I don't know, like that, there's no source here. But it's saying basically that it was made for it as opposed to it being something else and then But there are aired plenty there. plenty of scripts that sit around and then they get reworked into something else. There's like Oh sure. Uh, that could be that could be it too, that it was a script for something else and then That's that's what I mean. Right. Not that yeah. oh no, not that they produced this show with the intention of it. I got the feeling like it was a reworked script. Like oh, Bonanza yeah, and things like that that had bazillion episodes would do that kind of thing where they would just take pilot scripts that were sitting around where it's like, oh, a stranger has come to town and suddenly they become <laughs> the the main uh, focus of the series. Well, what's um, the writer up to these days? Maybe we can get him on the show like we have gotten all the other people that we've oh, interviewed. that's right. And, uh, <laughs> and well, the guy from Circus of the Stars. <laughs> yeah, they've had so much uh, that they don't have any Wikipedia articles <laughs> written about them. <laughs> Yeah, John, uh, Bill Lee and Hank Saroyan. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, well, Bill Lee was one of the producers of the SNL Challenger program Fridays. Oh, boy. 
man, everyone went into comedy. <laughs> yeah. They all said, hey, that should have been a comedy, that goofy werewolf movie that we made. <laughs> and yeah. let's see, Hank Saroyan. Oh, known for Muppet, Muppet Babies, additional crew. <laughs> oh, and he's he's now a voice director. He was a voice director. He was also on Rude Dog and the Dweebs, additional crew. Ooh. Oh, well, what are his acting credits? He was on Trollkins, Monchichis, Dungeons and Dragons, Rude voice Dog director. and the Dweebs, Hagar the Horrible, Darkwing Duck, playing Bad Luck Duck. Uh-oh, Dungeons and Dragons. I know, playing voice. Oh, Aph Aphid. Aph. Oh, no, that was on Trollkins. No, he is his voice on Dungeons oh and Dragons. Oh, my gosh. What? The Trollkins. Yeah. The, the picture that's on IMDb is troll, Trolls uh, um, riding in a doom buggy. So now we know this oh. guy's obsessed with doom buggies. <laughs> <laughs> he composed the music for Muppet Babies, Rude Dog, and the Dweebs. Well, this guy's a one-man oh. band. Holy cow, the freaking Trollkins. This is like a Why blast are you losing your mind past. over the Trollkins? I forgot about the freaking Trollkins. Okay, all right. Why didn't you remind me about the Trollkins? <laughs> well, let's see. What year was Trollkins? 81. We haven't done that that uh, Saturday morning special. Now, it's interesting okay. you're losing your mind over this because I'm looking at a picture of the Trollkins. I have zero memory of this because I oh, was... Really? Well, I was one. I yeah, think... but 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 I, I would reruns. I mean, that's how I watched most of my TV from that time period. Yeah, I have never seen this. This has a very, uh... you know, all those little PSAs for good nutrition that they would play on Saturday mornings. Yeah, it looks like the shading on it looked like that. These big blobby things these are supposed to be troll wow this is so crazy because i'm looking at the character design for the trollkins all the males are basically big uh circles or blobs and there's two female characters and they are so sexy sexy (laughs) big eyes big perky boobs tiny little (laughs) wasp waists (laughs) god well, let's see. Were there Trollkin? There had to be Trollkin toys, right? Let me see here. Trollkin. Trollkin's toys. Well, I, I was one season. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know if we were in the era where you would make the the uh, the product first, and then also there would be a cartoon series. Maybe He Man oh, right. was the first one to really. I think that was work right? that hard. It it probably was a real cart before the horse. No, I'm only seeing your traditional style trolls. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I can't get my hands on those luscious, luscious lady trolls. <laughs> um. Yeah. So anyways. Odd, odd, anyways, weird movie. Uh, I want to know how much Dick Clark had any input on this program. Oh, uh, no, I wonder. And did John Moffat pass? I feel like he did. No, he didn't. He's still alive. Would love to talk to him and get his memories of working on this thing. The solid half a week of filming. No question he would come on. No question. (laughs) For his passion project like this? Are you kidding me? (laughs) And the woman who played the wife, Bert's long-suffering and soon-murdered wife, Mm -hmm. apparently she is a Joe Dante regular, but I didn't remember her parts from anything. She's in oh, both really? Gremlins movies. She's in Small Soldiers, Matinee, The Howling, Piranha. Yeah, I don't remember her in anything. I'll have to rewatch some of this. Well, um, final rating. How many? Um, how five many long hairs. How many long hairs do you give this? I give it five full <laughs> moons. You'll have a howling good time. Good time. Two paws up. Okay, okay, okay. That's me being Gene Shallot. I love it. <laughs> um, I give this to 
Idnits. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I was not interested in this. I, you know, like, I've been, I've, I've watched a few um, British shows uh, from this time period. Yeah. Um, different ones ver- that all are all kind of like this that are like about magic and things like that, and it is just. It's it's not enjoyable watching these videotaped set uh pieces. I, I just and you're right, like as soon as they go outside, it is film and it, it it's that's where I'm like, okay, I enjoy this now. And as soon as it goes back in, it just it feels like I'm watching an episode of like uh Archie Bunker or something. And it's or like, yeah, but not not interesting, you know, at all. <laughs> if I will say if this had been half an hour, I think we would have loved it. Because it would have I mean, plowed through like this crazy every single plot. thing we watch. <laughs> but that's the thing is, usually it's an hour and a half movie and we're going, if they got rid of half an hour, we would yeah. like this. This <laughs> has enough crazy plot for half an hour or 28 minutes. And it just keeps going going on hey as the reporter yeah. at the beginning said the beat goes on yeah that's right um yeah so anyways uh i'll put the link up this week um and uh you'll get a chance to watch it as well although you should have already watched it that's on you, you yeah come to this that is the rule that before you listen to these episodes you need to have watched the show yep. regardless of whether or not you have a plex with these things on them or not. Right. Like you, this is your responsibility to break copyright law to find these things. Okay. Yep. And I don't know what to say other than that. Harsh, but fair words from Papa Nate. Papa Nate. Big uh, Papa Nate. That's right. And as, uh, as we always say at the end of every episode, Sorry if we offended you, mate. (laughs) Bye. Bye.